Whoa. Okay, is everyone's brain's exploding? Just mine? Are your brains, like, honestly, like, are your brain's exploding? Okay, why? It's a lot of information. It's like, what is going on? Like, this is, like, the crazy... I feel like this is literally the craziest Parsha we've done yet since we've done this Parsha series. Because, like, okay, we have the counting. And then we have the lot, like... Like, literally, just, like, go through in two seconds. And then we have the the purify situation and the katoras and then we have the um Betzalel, and he's so amazing and he's going to purify them and then we have shabbos and then right after shabbos we're going to talk about the juxtaposition right we have shabbos and then we have dun, 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 the sin of the calf which is huge it's that whole situation and like there's all these details like at least me i like to read it before but sometimes i like to save it because it's like a fresh it just hits different, right? When you're hearing someone read, like I'm hearing you read the description. So it was up to you when you were reading like what happened right before he went down. And I'm like, I didn't know this. I didn't know that like they had this whole conversation before. And then he goes to Yoshua and he says, you know, what's going on? What's that shouting and screaming? And then he says, it's a sound of distress. Like mm. there's so many little details you just don't realize. Maybe if you were privileged to be in Shul and we sit in Shul and we even hear it and we can read the English like, even if you're reading, you're not really so focused in as when you're hearing someone read the English. Like, it's so powerful just hearing this. And then it goes even further. We have, like, what, they're killing each other now? Okay, like, literally, Moshe says, like, Mila Eli, like, we thought that was Hanukkah. It's happening here in this Parsha. And he's like, all the Levim come start killing the brothers. Like, what is happening? And then we have, like, this whole situation with Moshe speaking to him, like, it's, it's so all over the place. There's so much detail. And the weird conversation between Hashem, like, show me your face. You can't see my face. You can't know my face. And then it goes on. And then, then we finally have the second set of luchos. And then we have, you know, some details, some laws, right? About the milk and meat and the festivals. And then that's basically it, okay? There's three goals that I want to do in the time that we have, okay? Number one, I want to... Bring an idea, two short ideas, and then I want to be able to tie this whole parsha together. Because reading this, at least for me, my mind was exploding. Like, like this. Why is this one parsha? It has to make sense. And I was an English teacher for a couple years, and one thing they teach you in literary analysis is there's foreshadowing, there's climax, there's, um, there's what's the thing like when it when it mirrors when you have like a certain situation happening and there's the whole story arc like there's a lot of like details happening and if we can look at it through this parsha through the lens of like an english teacher like it will all start to make sense of all these crazy random things you'll realize it's one full story but first for our two short ideas that you can walk away with like practical ideas because i like to give you know those one-liners that you'll be like oh i learned something on the parsha i could tell you this one thing and it's like a 10 second bar, you know we need those sometimes because that's sometimes all we remember so starting with that, all the way back in the very beginning of Parsha's Kisisa, we have, we know, the half shekel. They all, that's how she wanted to count, and they all gave one half shekel. And then we have the line that the rich can't give more, or the poor can't give less. We know that, but the obvious question is, if the purpose was for counting, how would it make sense that the rich would give more and the poor would give less if the purpose was counting? Because then our count will be messed up. Avital gives five, you give a half, you give five, you give a half, and I'm trying to count that there's four people right here. I have 15 and a half, 16. But then now it's for Hashem. Right, because it's really for Hashem. So Hashem knows no matter what. 
Another idea that I want to bring out here, which I heard from Rosh Shlomo Fahari, and it just, it resonated so deeply in an almost annoying way. And I'll like tell you why it's a little bit annoying. The idea he brought out from that was the fact that it's not about the fact that you're going to be in control of the outcome. We all like to be in control of the outcome that I know I put in X and I know that Y happens. I put in a coin and I know that I gave tzedakah. He said, he, the idea he's bringing out of the counting, the fact that everyone had to just give a half, as opposed to if you could give more, you could give left, is, is the fact that the goal in Judaism is not always to be in control of the outcome because Hashem controls the outcome. We could just put in our hashtadlas. The goal in Judaism is to put in your part. And he gave such a good example of how this exists in real life, right? You're trying to get an aliyah. The men try to raise money for the special aliyahs on Yom Kippur or whatnot. And like, okay, $6,000 for this big aliyah on Rosh Hashanah or something. And okay, maybe one person will do the $6,000. It's a big deal. It's not such a big stretch for him. They got $6,000. One rabbi is super smart. And he's like, you know what, everybody? Let's do, I think it's called psicha. I don't know, opening. Let's do it together. Everyone... We'll all nominate one person to be the shaliach, but we're going to take it on together. Everyone's going to donate 18 shekels, so shul in Israel, and we'll, we'll, we'll have the merit together. He raised 36,000 shekels as opposed to the 6,000 because there were 2,000 people in shul. Meaning it's, it's less about the one person that can do a lot and get a big outcome. And it's more about we can just put in a little bit and put in our effort. And like another example is like, you know, I tried this on my kids. It didn't work tonight. Mm-hmm. But like, mommy's going to clear the table off. Everybody takes one thing off the table. It'll be done in one second. But if mommy does it all by herself, it's going to take a long time. It didn't work. I mean, don't try this at home. Maybe it'll work with your kids. But like, it, the idea he was saying here is like, everyone needs to clean up the shul. Keep persevering. It'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, someone needs to clean up the shul, you know? If there's 200 chairs, there's 200 people. Everyone takes one. It's this idea that like, you don't have to do it all. You don't have to get the whole outcome. You just have to do your part. And it's, just such a spiritual idea of like, just put in your effort. Just put in a half shekel. That's what Hashem's asking of you. He's not asking you to save the day. He's not asking you to do everything. It's, it's a new idea on a half shekel. And I'm seeing to do something. I think I must be on here. Not for everyone, for yourself. Doing it just for yourself. And it becomes for everybody. Yes, yes, yes. You're just doing it because it's something you're meant to be doing, but it's what completes the whole. It's what completes everything for everybody. I love that. Okay. See, that's the annoying part that I brought up because I feel like that's always the the rationalization of like someone being like, like, I I wanted all the dishes done. And they're like, well, I put away the, the, the laundry. And I'm like, what always jumps in my mind is that exact pasuk from from because I'm like they're right because it's not on you to finish the job but Loki I wanted the job finished and it's and it's a lesson to me and it's a lesson for all of us to be like okay but that's you wanting to be a control freak that's me wanting to think I control other people if I ask them to do something they'll do it that's not true we can't control that well because there's the continuation of that so which is who's not free you're not free to be completely absolved right you're not absolved right you don't have to finish it but you have to see that it gets done just do your effort yeah i'll have to sit with that we'll have to get back to you to see Sorry, if, if we get no no remember i said there's an annoying part that was the annoying part that's exactly uh, you you reminded part. me the annoying part is sometimes let's say you want something done yeah. right because we by nature as human beings like to think we're in control 
And not only that, even if we don't think we're in control, like, because we're pretty chilled, like, I'm a pretty chill person, when you're asking of something that's put by nature, putting yourself in a vulnerable place because you're saying, I want X. Asking someone else to do something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But if they don't do it, you can feel frustrated because you wanted it. Because, and you thought if you asked it, it would get done, then that's you think you can control the fact that they'll do it. But they can't. Or they don't because you can't control people, yes. or because of what you said because it's they did they did what they could. They did their best. They did their best, but sometimes it wasn't enough for you. You wanted the whole That's thing done. Two different things. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So we all we can only do the best we can, mm. and other people can only do the best they can. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You have they're to doing their best. Mate, sorry. You have to realize that everyone else is doing their best. Right. Right, right, as opposed to completing the task, as as opposed to, I'm saying to perfect, as opposed to perfect, perfect. Yep. Like we're all doing our best. And right. We, we, Hashem does not ask of us, as far as I know, perfection. Hashem wants us to do our best. Yep. So when we ask, so vis-a-vis people around us, everyone's actually doing their best. Might not be perfect, but it's not meant to be perfect. Right. And I think perfection, well, I've got another thing about that, but it's not a Jewish concept, perfection, or mm. completely like, I think it's Jewish that we do our best. We're working. Perfection we're, is you're dead. You've hit your tough kid. But I don't even think perfection is the goal. Mm. Mm. But that's another, that's another whole story. I, 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 mm. I actually think that's a non-Jewish concept, perfection. I want, I want you to, get, I, I want to hear more on this. I, I you want to hear you, more on this? Yeah, I'm, this is intriguing me. I'm like learning a lot from this conversation. Well, okay. So this is my own thoughts on this matter. I have like, it's a, I think perfection is a non-Jewish concept. I haven't read this anywhere. It's just okay. in my head. Because their deity, yeah, is perfect. Mm, mm. So all this, you know, Superwoman is a very good example of this. So, you know, out there, you, you mentioned to be a housewife and a mother and a career and a bit like that whole idea of Superwoman or even Superman, that whole idea is what's driving it mm-hmm. is this to the drive of perfection. Mm-hmm. That's in my head is not Jewish. Mm-hmm. What's Jewish is we all do the best we can. So that's a very that's, compassionate lens. It's a very compassionate lens because in order to say that I'm doing the best you can, you yeah. have to actually be compassionate towards yourself. Yeah. Perfection is a harsh sense yeah. of self, right? Like, like, like thinking you're not doing the best is is being harsh to yourself. Yeah, that's and not and others and others. Yeah. Psh, psh. And others. For me, that's like just to bring it back. It's like. We all, you know, if, if it does so often come up to, you know, that, that kind of, well, I wanted the job done and I did this much and they haven't done, you know, that much. So why should I do more? They should do more. And it, it, we do get, tend to get cut up, cut up in that. But when it's so clear, everybody's doing this, no more, no less. Right. And then seeing the outcome, yeah. if it's outcome driven. But we're like all doing what Hashem wants us to do. Mm-hmm. In the best For way him. that we can. Mm. I don't think Hashem wants us to serve Him in a perfect way. I think Hashem wants us to serve Him as, in, best, as, 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 best, as best we can. Yeah. Say, say a drop more on your idea here. How, how, does that, how does that fit with the, like if we're all doing, if I'm doing more and they're doing less, but it's all the machas, like it's all the half shekel, which is all the same, how does that fit? 
Because it's because my more is my half shekel, their less is their half shekel. Ultimately, in Hashem's eyes, it's all the same. No, I wasn't even going there. I was, you know, that's interesting. I was just more thinking that it's just sometimes you just need to you need to see a set amount. This is this from everybody, and you know that's that's ah uh, the final product. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Okay, wow. The sum of the whole. Mm. Yeah, is more than the individual parts. Is yeah. that what you're saying? I wasn't thinking of it. Either. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, Everyone's I, interpreting I, your I things so deeply. Hearing that I'm not saying, but, I, but oh, um, sorry, just no, 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 no. It's just, it's just. That, it's not that. So oh, often true. there were there were there were things that you know the Bnei Israel did all together, you know, and and they were the court called upon to to either to contribute or admit that they all had to do. Um, it wasn't. It's not. You know, like the machetes of shekels, like the one time when it was specified the exact amount that each and every person yeah. was told to give. So it's just it's not what you want to give; it's what Hashem wants from you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it could be less than what you think you could be doing. I should be doing more. I should be doing more. No, Hashem just asked you to do this. Just do what He asked you to do. Wow, enlightening conversation. Thank you for making me grow. I really like that. That's very helpful. I'm gonna use that because this was. Something that was real. That was very real for me. Okay. So, idea number two. Short takeaway idea. Idea number one was we're greater than the sum of our parts. Beautiful idea here. Idea number two. You can take away, put away if you forget everything else. Just remember this is the fact. It's based on a Gemara. That why is it? How was it that they sinned? There's a famous question, famous answer. How was it that they sinned so quickly after seeing Harsinai? And this idea, I actually, I feel like maybe I had heard it before, but I didn't hear it in this profoundly beautiful way, which is the fact that Hashem was setting it up into the fabric of reality, into the system, that no matter what you do, no matter how bad of a sin you do, it can never be worse than this. <laughs> and so basically, you'll always be forgiven. Which, meaning, and that's going to tie into the third idea, but like, this is the idea to walk home with, that... This was the worst sin. This was the... Hashem almost like allowed it to happen to set into reality for us to realize that there's nothing you can do that will be worse than this and I will still forgive you. It's setting us up for tshuva. It's setting us up for tshuva. And now we can take it to that English thing I mentioned, which was like, how are we tying all of this together? How are we making this into a story? I love a good novel. I love reading. I love when there's a story arc, when things make sense, when they fit in. If we take this lens and we understand what's the main theme from the second idea we just presented, the fact that Hashem is saying, I don't care what you do. You could do the worst thing in the world. Like it was in the Gemara, it's compared to like a bride, uh, um, a bride like being idolatrous on her wedding night. Like that's what we were. Basically we were with Hashem, Harsinai was like our wedding night between us and Hashem. And we did the calf, like the golden, like what, like so bad. But Hashem forgave us. Why? What would you say is the reason he forgave us? Or like the reason why he would set this into the system that you could sin so badly and nothing we could ever do would ever change what? A relationship. A relationship. Okay, so now we can look into the whole entire Parsha's Kisisa with all of its bonkers parts. And with this theme of the relationship, everything will start to make sense. So let's blaze through it again. We blaze through it once, but let's say you're going to see now with this lens, everything makes sense. Number one, we have the counting. Because what does the counting signify? It signifies that you're special, you're special, you're special, you're unique, you're unique. We start with that, with the fact that a relationship can only be based off of two unique people. 
one specific man with one specific woman. Hashem is saying, um, it's you specifically have a relationship with. Okay, now we understand why the counting is there. And then we have the cleansing, the anointing oil. That's foreshadowing, right? It's the Keturus and like the fact that he anoints the Kohanim. It's foreshadowing on two points. It's foreshadowing on the fact that I know you're going to sin, but you know what? Even before you sin, I'm going to purify you because it doesn't matter. You're always still pure to me. You're always going to be pure to me. This is, it's, it's the refuah before the maka, right? That we know is always a thing here, right? It's, he's saying, I'm going to show you how you're going to be cleansed because we might sin. That's part of life. And not only that, it's Aaron and his sons who are being purified. And who was the one that actually made the calf? Aaron. Okay. Double foreshadowing here. We go on and then we have them. He's, he's sanctifying Aaron, right? So that's what I said there. He, he's saying like, it, it's, it's the same foreshadowing situation. Like we think it's the worst thing in the world. Aaron's the one that's doing the sin, but ultimately here it's showing that he's making them holy first. So it's, you're seeing foreshadowing both sides of the story, which is so cool if you look at the entire thing. But he never gets no the fact that he did that. Aaron feels guilty about that. So that's what I would thought. That's what I would have thought too, except for the fact that he keeps the kahuna. And we all the kohanim come from him. So it must be that Hashem fully, fully forgave him. And then we get to then we can finally understand the juxtaposition of the fact that okay, Shabbos is mentioned. What like what we have Kiddish, we're gonna talk about Shabbos, and then boom, and then they have the why would that matter? Why would Shabbos be brought up? Because of what? Because it's about the relationship. What's the point of Shabbos? The point. I, I believe in Hashem. I believe in Hashem. I trust in it. The point of Shabbos is to remember that it's just about our relationship with Hashem. It's the one day where we have that time to just connect with Hashem if we do it right, which we don't always do. But like when Michelle comes, we we'll have We do our best. Exactly. We do our best. I love that. That's going to stick with me. So that's the juxtaposition. That's why we have Shabbos right before we have the Chet Egal. Because Hashem's saying, I know what's about to happen, but I want you to remember one thing. What's my goal? What's the point? Why are we here? Why are we in this world? It's the relationship. It's the fact that I'm going to love you no matter what. Unconditional love. That's why we have Shabbos right before. And then this, the, 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 the whole part of Moshe going back and forth and saying all these confusing things, that's the, that's the most deep level of intimacy that's when we we see the revealed ex um what's the word the revealed example of the relationship it's not just that like hashem saying like i love you no matter what you're going to do i want to spend this time we have moshe moshe saying to hashem i want to see you what is intimacy intimacy is into me you see i see you i want to see you too i want to get to know you too that's why we have this random conversation of moshe going to hashem let me see your face like what does that even mean hashem is saying moshe saying i get it I get it that you love us unconditionally, but I also want to love you unconditionally. I want that relationship with you, Hashem. Show me, show me. And then that conversation begins to make sense through, through the lens of relationship. Um, an idea that just blew me out of the water here was that Moshe says to Aaron, this is an idea of a chayas, is that he says, what did these people do to you that you brought up this grievous sin? so much like on him on you on you that goes to show through the lens of the relationship that ultimately i have a highest for everything if something goes wrong in this relationship i did my best but ultimately because this relationship matters so much to me and is so valuable and so important to me it's on me it's on me like i'm taking full of highest to make it better to love you more to do my to do my best not perfectionism i like that i'm gonna keep going there and then we have um, the fact that there's 
the killing because ultimately in a relationship, there needs to be boundaries. There needs to be a severance of things that harm the relationship, right? You can't have a healthy relationship without boundaries. That's why we have this crazy, like, why the plague? What's going on? Because a healthy relationship needs to have cutoffs of this is harming me. This is a, this is, this is, this cannot be involved in our relationship. And then finally, we have the part where Moshe Oh, the last thing before I mentioned there is before the, the, the face cover situation is we have the fact that Moshe's face was covered, right? It was too bright. When you are in this relationship with Hashem, when we hit the moment where we're meant to be living in this earth, how we're meant to be living, when we have this relationship with Hashem where we're, we're like all of our validation just comes from Hashem, we don't care about anyone else other than what Hashem thinks of us, or we don't, the only relationship that's most important to us is Hashem. Everything else will flow through. And this is the craziest thing. You can see a proof in the line. Moshe did not realize his face was shining. Moshe didn't realize. What I see from that line is that when you hit this level of relationship where you're living for Hashem, you're getting your validation from Hashem, you won't notice that you're shining. You won't notice that, that you're doing it. Because you're just focused on connecting deeper to Hashem and you're trying to do your best, you're trying to do your best, you're just trying to do your best. But it's just like that, that beautiful, I just thought that was a, a really beautiful paradox over there of the fact that he didn't notice, but it's, it's what actually happened. And then finally, how this all ties together, the fact that we have festival of weeks, why are we talking about Shavuos and Sukkot? Why would it be in here? Because ultimately, if this whole goal is the relationship, how do you love someone? Spending time with them. Spending time with them, which are the Yom Tov and But that, that's one of the love languages. Another love language is, is, is what, what do you want from me? Acts of service, right? Hashem's saying, I want this from you. And we're doing it, right? And the other love language is affirmation. Like, that's all we're doing all day. We're davening to Hashem. We're saying good things back and forth, which we're really to ourselves. Making brachos. Making brachos. Like, the final piece of what shows you have a relationship is... Is the one of the is the love languages is the five love languages and that's really what the mitzvot are they're the love languages of how to serve Hashem, and so that's how we can take this bonkers parsha which has a million and one different things in it and there's so much we didn't even tap into but it's just so powerful to be able to just look inside and read it out loud so thank you everybody for reading, I gained so much from hearing and my mind was blown and thanks for listening shkayach thank you. Thank you.